Oh, I don't need to do that just yet. <laughs> it's all right. Well, I'll go ahead and start the recording, and then in just a second, I'll go live. And once we're live, I won't let anyone else into the Zoom. Is that correct? Like we just yeah, that's we're right. All here, yep. We'll be able to see the uh, chat there for each other too. If you throw the chat on, if you want to like kind of say, "Hey, can I tell this story or say this?" then you can use the chat too. Cool. Thanks, Dan. Cool. All right, we will hopefully go live, assuming all these links are put in the right place. <laughs> I want to say a special thank you to each of you. It'll say up there in the left-hand corner when we're streaming it. I don't have permission. I'm going to try one, one more thing real quick. Can Cliff join us? I don't. I don't think we heard back from Cliff. I wonder. If, I wonder if we have his current email. Yeah. Huh. It's not changed. I mean, from the past, okay. his, his email. So maybe he's gone. Sometimes yeah. in the winter, he goes and does uh, like relief work with the Church of the Brethren. Like yeah, they're he's uh, been building houses. Yeah. All right. We are live. Well, hello, everybody. Happy March. This is uh, our March morning prayer for a couple of years. Jonathan and I have been hosting morning prayer. Uh, on the first day of each month from Common Prayer, we've had folks, John, I think we had folks from 50 different countries that have joined us. A lot of you are joining us live in different time zones. Some of you will watch this recording um, afterwards, and it's it's just a gift to be together. And this you one- You know, is just the other day, Shane, I was out running on the trail. I tried to, I tried to keep moving, and- uh, I was running by this guy, and, and after I passed him, I heard him call my name. I turned around, and he said, hey, I just wanted to say, I pray with y'all on, on the first of the month, so people pray with us all over. Good to be praying. So great. So we, you're, you're going to see some wonderful faces on the screen here, and this this month is really special um, because Jonathan had this idea that uh, we noticed that it was the 20th anniversary of the time that we were in Iraq together with the Iraq peace team and Christian peacemaker teams, voices in the wilderness, all kinds of different groups that kind of collaborated together. And we thought, let's, let's remember that. I mean, obviously that's a very uh, somber remembering of that time, but we also got to spend time with some of the most incredible friends, uh, both some of, that are on this call, some who, who are from Iraq, who live in Iraq, and others from all around the world that join together with the Iraq peace team. So this is a little reunion, but we're not just kind of nostalgically looking back. We're like, we're dedicating our lives to, to building a peaceful world. So we want to hear what we can be doing today. But Jonathan, you want to say more about the guests and then we'll do a little overview. Oh, and we, get into we've the got some wonderful people we want to introduce <laughs> y'all to in just a minute. But before we introduce them in the context of the prayer, 
let me just say that th these are some of the people who have uh, taught me and shown me what peacemaking can look like in the real world in the face of the worst violence that happens. Um, so I'm so glad to be be, be with uh, them and with y'all. And uh, yeah, let's jump to it. But first, some announcements for this month, Shane. Yeah, so this month you're doing the book club. So tell us about the book we're doing and uh, the discussion we'll have. Lerone Martin has a new book out uh, just the last couple of weeks. It's um, it's called The Gospel According to J. Edgar Hoover, and it's a serious piece of history that uh, talks about how the national security state and modern evangelicalism grew up together in the mid-20th century. Um, it's a troubling book, uh, but one that's full of truth-telling, and I think if we're willing to face the truth, uh, can help us walk towards the light. So yeah, jo join uh, Dr. Lerone Martin and me on, is it the 21st, Shane? I, I don't know. Uh, later in the month. Yeah, you got okay. enough time. Go ahead and get the book, start reading it, and then watch yeah. our socials. We'll Grab have it book. out there. That's right. Yeah. And we, we had a great discussion this past month. Lisa hosted it. Lisa Sharon Harper and I talked about my new book, Rethinking Life. And we actually talked some about the our time in Iraq together, so it overlaps with this conversation this morning. But it is the month of March. Johnny, you got any uh, Lenten practices y'all are doing as a community or family there? It's the season of Lent, the forty days before Easter, right now, right? It is an important season, um, although I don't I don't think we're doing anything extra fancy. Um, <laughs> I always like what Clarence Jordan used to say uh, that fasting is about rushing ahead to the things that really matter. <laughs> we're not slowing, we're fasting. <laughs> well, we learned our we learned our practice from our, our friends Chris and Cassie Haw, uh, who they they use oil lamps at night. So we uh kind of unplug and we don't do lights, we do the oil lamps and slow down and that's been really a, a beautiful practice for us for Katie and I. So it's the month of March, just a few highlights from the month. We um, we remember in just a couple of days, the student walkout in LA of uh, Chicano and Mexican students who uh, weren't, they had some real racist policies and they weren't allowed to speak Spanish in school. They weren't allowed to use the same restrooms. And so they, 20,000 students walked out. And uh, we remember that this week. We remember um, uh, Rutilio Grande was killed, a uh, dear friend of, of Romero, uh, Oscar Romero's. We remember that on the 12th, and we remember Romero's um, death on the 24th, 1980. He was killed while serving mass. Um, we remember the Sharpeville massacre and uh, the struggle for freedom in South Africa. That was in 1960. Um, dozens of people were massacred and hundreds more were injured as they fought for freedom. Uh, we remember uh, the shock and awe bombing, which we'll talk about today, um, that we that's on the 19th, uh, 20 years ago. Um, and then we've um, got a lot of people that we remember. We remember Rachel Corey, who was killed um, in uh, Palestine uh, while we were in Iraq, actually, in 2003. Um, and then there's uh, Patrick, St. Patrick's Day, Patrick of Ireland. Uh, there's all kinds of other saints that we remember. So uh, check them out. Harriet Tubman, Amos, Maximilian. So it's going to be a great month. Let's dive right in with our morning prayer. If y'all don't have, you know, it's uh, there's an app, there's the book. You can also just go to commonprayer.net. Or if you don't have any of that, you can just sit and uh, be still with us as we pray together. Jonathan. 
Let's pray. Oh Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Oh Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Uh, before we sing the song, I'll, I'll just say, since we're together, that I visited several years ago a community in Massachusetts um, that was praying morning prayer. And um, they said that uh, they had decided as a community that until the war ended in Iraq, they were going to sing this song every day. So they had sung it for every day for years by that point. By the waters, the waters of Babylon, we lay down and wept and wept for the Zion. We remember, we remember, we remember the Zion. Take our tears, Lord, to water the seeds of prayer. And this is from Psalm 6. I grow weary because of my groaning. Every night I drench my bed and flood my couch with tears. My eyes are wasted with grief and worn away because of all of my enemies. Depart from me, all evildoers, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord accepts my prayer. Take our tears, Lord, to water the seeds of prayer. And our gospel reading this morning comes from the beginning of Mark's gospel. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it's written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Mm. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descended on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Mm. At once, the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. Take our tears, Lord, to water the seeds of prayer. And this is our quote for today is from Julian of Norwich in the 14th century.
The worst has already happened and been repaired. All shall be well, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. All right. Well, this is when we get to pause. We usually pause and do some open prayer, but today we get to have some great conversation. And uh, wow, what a gift. So we, Jonathan, you want to do a little round of intros and I'll jump in, but you you uh, well, introduce we, everybody. Shane, Shane and I uh, had the opportunity to meet our guests today in 2003 during the uh, bombing of Iraq that we remember this month. Um, uh, we joined the Iraq peace team, which uh, Kathy Kelly, who was here, was uh, instrumental in helping to organize. And um, uh, uh, at that time, uh, Peggy Gish, who was with us, was uh, in Iraq with the Christian peacemaker teams. And uh, Weldon Nicely, who I see here in the bottom left box, uh, was uh, part of the delegation that uh, Leah and I were on making our way into Baghdad after the bomb started falling, which made the travel somewhat difficult. So, um, so anyway, we all met uh, in a sense um, under the bombs there uh, by the waters of Babylon, praying for peace and praying for a way uh, toward a different uh, a different way of being for all of us. And so, uh, mm. it's it's uh, it's been a gift to know these folks. It's a gift to be together, and uh, yeah delighted and to have you here so great and kathy we, we've been friends for a lot of years but even beyond the 20 we've known each other a little bit and i think it's important that that you know our delegation to iraq wasn't just in response to the bombing and the war but you you and others had been organizing delegations for years before that during other bombings during the sanctions to be this steadfast voice against violence and all of its different manifestations so um it's great to see you and i don't know if you wanted to say more about um you know some of that groundwork that was happening before you know we even got to march 2003 mm, well thank you shane and it's certainly wonderful to be with each of you and all of the people who are tuned in from elsewhere you know Salman Rushdie wrote that those who are displaced by war are the shining shards that reflect the truth. Mm. And I think a lot about, you know, Pontius Pilate washing his hands of anything to do with Jesus and the context of Jesus being before him. And then walking away and muttering, like, oh, what is truth? But I think it's really, really, really important for us to reconvene as we're doing in a spirit of prayer and ask ourselves what truths were disclosed in that terrible, terrible period of starving children, you know, the verb starving, causing the children to starve and to become so sickened with disease over 13 years of economic war, following the 1991 war, which knocked out the electricity all across the country, just wave after wave after wave of punishing people who meant us no harm. Mm -hmm. And I also remember, I wondered, I hope you can help me with this. Isn't it true that every time there was a huge explosion, we'd hear the call to prayer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Maggie. I do remember that. 
Yeah. We did. And I started to think that they were trying to, re, you know, purposely responding to say that, you know, God is Allah Akbar. God is greater. And I interpret that to mean God is greater than what is happening. The power that is causing this destruction. Mm, mm. Mm. I I can remember one of the the young people. Every time the plane would fly over, he would yell, uh, "Lahar, lahar, salam, salam!" And it was like he believed they could hear, you know, <laughs> his his cry. Um, Hmm. Weldon, you know, um, you you came in and um, you want to talk a little bit, either you or Peggy, about like how you decided that this was the right action to take, you know, to to go to Iraq. I think we each sort of discerned that differently, but it was we're all trying to figure out what we can do to stand against this violence and war. And we we all obviously made a similar decision that for us that it was right to go there. But I don't know if you want to say about how you kind of discern that. Well, I could say we discern that as a um, as a community of faith, as a congregation. I was pastoring Seattle Mennonite Church at the time, and with my family and congregation. Well, Gene Stolzfus had called and asked if I could uh, join this group going in with uh, Jonathan and Leah and uh, others to join Peggy and Cliff. And so and I say it was probably the most intense and um, profound discernment, spiritual discernment of my life. And so I, I have told it at home as Seattle Mennonite Church, as part of the body of Christ went to Baghdad, I happened to be the physical body uh, that went as part of my congregation, the mm. community of faith. Well, that's how I joined the rest of you in Amman uh, and went in. I, I want to say this, yeah, there's, uh, so what I remember so distinctly arriving at that little hotel, I think it was the Peggy, and your welcoming, smiling face greeting us. Uh, I knew you a little bit before that, but that was such a, uh, a welcome and relief. And then certainly after that, as we gathered in a circle with the Iraq peace team, uh, Kathy, I also knew you, but had never met you. I mean, I knew what you were doing and was so admiring of what you were doing. But your welcome, your gracious smiling face there and, and greeting us and so on meant so much to me. So both Peggy and Kathy, um, I, that's that's a very vivid image for me. Okay. Well, I was already working uh, with CPT, Christian Speaker Team, and I was working in Palestine. And I thought that's where I would go, you know, that winter. Mm. But then when I, um, of course, heard our president, you know, threatening to go into Iraq, the war. And then when I found out that Voices in the Wilderness and CPT were sending a delegation, at least a delegation. We didn't know how long this was going to be, you know, to Iraq. I Something in me just knew that this is what I was called to do. And I mm. tested that out with my church, commun communal church here on our farm near Athens, Ohio. And they, you know, they supported me in, in doing that. But I, I 
I thought of the Iraqi people and they were going to be the ones that suffered this war. And I thought of the mothers and the grandmothers, you know, and I'm a grandmother and mother. And I thought I must do whatever I can to try to speak out against this war, to try to prevent it. And, you know, even though you don't know if, you know, that you can, but you, we have to speak out and do what we can, even if we don't know what the consequences, you know, if we could be successful or not. So, but I went with this sense of love and caring for the Iraqi people. And Mm -hmm. it's that love that I continued, was continually given that kind of propelled me or uh, compelled me in to be part of that group that stayed on into the war. But that it's that love that also sustained me. It was that love that um, made me not um, taken over by fear. It didn't mm-hmm. take all the fear away, but it, it helped me move ahead in spite of that fear. So mm-hmm. it was a real lesson for me in the power of love. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm thinking, Jonathan, one of the things that's interesting to me is I'm around with a lot of young people these days, and it occurs to me that some of them weren't even alive, you know, 20 years ago. And they weren't they weren't alive or they were too young to remember 9-11. And so it's very confusing to them that we now know it's like 15 of the hijackers of the planes were from Saudi Arabia. And yet the U.S. began to bomb Iraq and Afghanistan and still sells weapons to Saudi Arabia. You know, there's like they're just heads are spinning in all of this. Right. And and. Yet, I think one of the things that's so important, especially for folks that weren't born yet, you know, that this was the most one of the most aggressive bombing campaigns in history. Uh, At one point, there were 900 bombs a day that were being dropped, and it was, you know, uh, called the shock and awe campaign. There were um, hundreds of thousands of folks that were impacted, that their lives were lost, their homes were devastated. We tried to document that. And um, Kathy and others were trying to like track this before the bombing even started, the effect of the sanctions and everything. But this is what's also important, is that this was uh, the most protested war in history. And it um, is actually in the Guinness Book of World Records. There were 3,000 protests around the world. It's estimated that almost 40 million people were in the streets all over the world. So it's important that, you know, folks were protesting that. And when we were, when we were in Iraq, Kathy, I remember every morning we had sort of a, um, um, you know, a centering time and a, uh, we would hear sort of a briefing of the day. And one of those was when you said, Shane, we got word from your community. Your whole community is in jail. <laughs> and, you know, 120 people or something in Philly went to jail, like blocking the federal building because that was, you know, their way of of standing in solidarity against the war. So there's all kinds of different ways that people were uh, raising their voices and putting the, their bodies in the way of the violence. I, I think it's you know ca- kind of helpful to remember that as we look back, especially for the you know the teenagers that that weren't around when this all happened. Kathy, you want to say any more about like the that the the what what we saw on our team and some of the other actions we saw you know around the world? We we had a really diverse team, you know, uh, doctors and nurses and veterans. So. Um, yeah. 
Well, it's, it was certainly a very, very intense time. And, you know, the world came closer than ever before, as you say, to stopping a war before it started. And so I think we have to stay very, very open. Something Cliff Kindy really taught me, and it's a lesson I never fully learned, but to stay open to what might be possible. I want to mention um, a memory that is, it's just as odd as can be in a way, but we knew a family quite well. Um, they loved you very much, Peggy. Uh, Karima, and she was a widow and she had eight children. And it was Amal's birthday. And we couldn't talk the hotel owner into letting us just bring this family in with us. He'd filled every room with his own extended family members and with his neighbors. And so they were, you know, shuddering through these intense bombings and hoping that they'd survive. But we decided to have a birthday party, an outdoor birthday party for Amal. And somehow we came together with uh, Pepsi Cola and I think barbecued chicken and party favors. And, and, and Shane, you did clown routines and you walked on your hands and you played duck, duck, go with the kids. It was just wildly fun. And the bombs were exploding. I mean, it was not a safe thing to do, but nowhere, nowhere was really safe. But then suddenly... Little Mustafa was missing. And the look on Karima's face, where's my son, was sheer panic. And then you found him, Jane, and you came back with him. And then there was this look of relief on her face. And then there was another explosion and just a look of disapproval. And of course, it wasn't aimed toward her son but toward the people who were doing this to her country, to her people, to her family. So I, I so value the wisdom of Karima as a mother. And we saw that reflected again and again. I remember being in a hospital, sitting next to a woman who was just convulsed in tears. And I said, Beach, what's, what's the matter? And then she started to tell me how I tell him what I see. How would she tell this little boy, Ali Abbas, that he had not only lost both his arms, but she was now his only remaining family member? And then the surgeon came out and said, well, I told him that we had to remove both arms. And Ali Abbas's question was, well, will I always be this way? And somehow that question has sort of sees me, will we always be this way? You know, when we see the invasion of Ukraine and the attack on infrastructure and the terrible consequences for civilians, ought we not have some humility to say, well, we know about that, but we were the invading force. And who benefits? Is it really maybe just the people that make all these weapons? Mm. So those are some of the questions I have as we move forward. Um, how can we exercise our responsibility to tell the truth? And maybe that has to do with really focusing on the merchants of death, mm. the profiteers. Uh, you know, uh, Pope Francis said, he asked the question, who? would give weapons to people at war when the consequences are so awful. And then he answered his own question. He said, the answer is simple. The answer is money. 
and the money it is drenched in blood. And sure enough, didn't our young Afghan friends tell us, blood will not wash away blood. Mm -hmm. I wonder, um, Weldon, what, what do you, as you think back and reflect on the time, I know you've shared and written about the experience, uh, what, what sticks with you? Uh, what sticks with me are the uh, relationships and people to people experience and what it means to see people as humans and to be together in that way. The um, an accompaniment and solidarity and um, I think that is the one thing that overcomes enmity and, uh, and get us beyond uh, these people are dangerous or threat to us. And this is what we have to do to participate in that. And that it takes, uh, in order to do that, that we must join or be present in the places where our war making money and weapons are being used against people who are not the enemy, who are not, yeah. So that that is very much, it, it, it all comes down to me, is I say over and over again, is who Jesus is and what it means for us, what it calls us to be and do in, in the world. I also wanted to ask you, Peggy, um, you know, when, when, uh, I remember when we were going over, so so many folks who love and care about us said, you know, oh, you know, something terrible could happen to you. You know, they somebody could take you, and uh, of course that that happened to you. Uh, I wonder if you you wanted to share about your experience of uh, of, of of you know b being taken by a group that was very angry in response to all this violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, obviously that was a very harrowing you know, frightening experience. Uh, we were kidnapped and fortunately we were released unharmed. But during that time, I had this sense that all the time, I mean, I was, I was afraid and I was constantly praying and I was constantly uh, singing songs of hope in my head and, and trying to among those of us who kept, when we were left alone, we would try to keep our spirits alive by sharing about stories of our life and why we were there. Mm. So we found ways to not sink into terror. Um, of course, I remembered my nonviolence training, which was very helpful because it we had already uh, uh, been taught a lot about appearing strong and, and trying to connect with your captors on a human level and have them see you as real people. So we were using all the strength, all the training, everything that we had. Uh, what came to me, you know, was that I don't know if I'm going to come out of this alive. I didn't know. But what I did know is that uh, even if I do die, God is with me. That was a, a thing that I held on to. And I affirmed that God had led me there and wanted people of faith 
to be in these situations where we are walking along with other rocky people who are suffering even greater violence than what I was experiencing. You know, they had family members being kidnapped. They had family members die. I mean, you know, how could I just think about myself when I was there in this country where all this violence was happening and my country was causing it? So I never felt like I should not have been there. It just was always reaffirmed that whatever, if if we, if we fought, follow love in action, if we take on love in action, okay, we know that we could be harmed, but we must keep going. Mm -hmm. We must keep telling the truth. We must keep standing in solidarity to brothers and sisters Um, and not just think of the consequences for ourselves. That's, so I came out of that very grateful, of course, you know, my life was given back to me, but it, it just reaffirmed um, my commitment um, to be doing this work, to be standing up for justice and, and um, it didn't deter me. (laughs) I felt like God had raised me up and I must keep working. Mm-hmm. There's more work for me to do. Mm-hmm. And it's to, like Kathy said, it's to speak the truth. It's to, um, it's to keep <clears throat> standing with people, working with people in, mm-hmm. uh, in situations of injustice. Good word. One of, one of the things we've said many times at Red Letter Christians is part of uh, why we're losing a, a younger generation in many of the churches is not because we've made the gospel uh, too hard, but because we've made it too easy. You know, we kind of reduce Christianity to a set of beliefs and doctrines where, whereas uh, when you read the Sermon on the Mount, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a call to reorient your whole life. And and uh, and that you know that's what the Christian peacemaker teams uh, was really founded on is this idea that if we believe that the cross is an alternative to the sword, um, we've got to be organized uh, for nonviolence as much as people are organized for war. We've got to be uh, have the same courage that people have been willing to die for the sword uh, that we're willing to to um, at least risk uh, something for the sake of love and for nonviolence. Um, and Weldon, you know, we kind of all experience this in different ways, but I, I think um, I, I was cleaning out my uh, office and I found my shirt, y'all, that from this was the shirt that uh, I wore coming out of Iraq uh, that says in Arabic, Lahar, uh, no war. And Kathy said we needed to make it really clear why we were there. So this is about as clear as I could make it, <laughs> um, you know, but had no idea that we would, you know, um, that, that that actually would probably um, be really necessary as we had, you know, we ended up having this car accident that um, I, I I think it's worth telling this story because for a few reasons, one, it, it shaped who we are. I think it, it, it Jonathan's community has got its name from 
uh, this experience. Um, but also, you know, as Sammy said, Sammy Rasuli, our friend and who co-founded the uh, Muslim peacemaker teams, he said, when, when we tell the story of Rupa, though, it's so important that this is not just some exceptional uh, thing that happened, but this is Muslim hospitality. This is Arab hospitality. This is what one would hope to experience anywhere. And, 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 and so, um, but for us, I think, you know, especially growing up as a Christian, reading the story of the Good Samaritan and stuff, it gave me, you know, all new eyes to see it. So, um, Weldon, I don't know if you want to, we, do you want to start and we can, we can kind of tell the story together, but um, yeah. Yeah, um, as we were going out, uh, in the, the three vehicles, Peggy, you were in the uh, vehicle, uh, another vehicle there. It, it was sort of a bizarre trip out. Um, and fairly quiet at that time. We had just crossed, our vehicle was behind the others and had just crossed a bridge that had been bombed very slowly. And so it, actually we're seeing bombers U.S. planes over overhead at that time, bombing off from the uh, some distance away. When a, I I think at this point, after we had gone back, we probably hit some kind of unexploded ordnance, like a fuse or something, because when the tire blew out, it was a much louder noise. Uh, I've had that happen a couple times, and, it was, and the driver lost control. And we went off in this ravine. Uh, uh, where we, we were injured. Uh, Shane, you had an injury too. Uh, getting out of that, but the, what, what happened as we got out, this other vehicle came along and people picked us up under the risk of all of that and took us back to Arupa. And what I remember so well coming to that little clinic where we were is the doctor uh, was saying something about uh, why you bomb our hospital and kill our children but don't worry don't worry we take care of you uh, and so then how reassuring that was uh, so that's that's part of the, the story everybody played a significant part of that Jonathan you and Peggy and others coming back to find us uh, was an important part of that um, but it, I think what I felt at that time, that we were in God's hands and in their hands, and they would take care of us, and that it was that we would just wait. We would just be there. I knew I was injured. I knew I had internal injuries, um, and that there wasn't anything I could do about that except to be present with uh, our caregivers there. You know, earlier, Peggy said she felt like she received her life back. Was, every time I see you, Weldon, I feel like I, I'm witnessing a resurrection. Because uh, when we found the doctor who had taken care of you, he looked at me and he said, uh, this man is not well. You need to get him to a doctor. And so the, the first thing we did at the border was find a doctor. And that doctor got an ambulance. I don't, I don't know how much of this you remember. I, I was by your side the whole time. But yes, I, I, yes, yes. I was praying uh, and I felt like I was watching your life slip away because that that ambulance died in the middle of the yes. desert and they had yes. to send another ambulance. Yes. And then that ambulance died and they sent a third ambulance and we finally got you to a hospital in a month. Yes. Several, several hours later. Um, 
but it's a uh, it's always a gift to see you in the land of the living. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yeah, I remember lots about all of that, and I I say I was never so glad to get to an emergency room in my life as I was to get to a mine that morning. But uh, here's a little story. I don't know if I've ever uh, told you. So when we were sitting at the Jordanian side of the border waiting for whatever we needed to do. I suddenly, uh, Shane, you were fairly close there. I suddenly knew something was happening. I, I was, and it was like, Shane, you were the last person in the world. I don't know what I said or did before I passed out, but I knew I was trying to tell you something, Shane. I, I, something's happening to me and I and couldn't tell you. The next thing I knew, I was laying on the, when I came to, on the floor, and Peggy, you were holding my hand and kneeling right there beside me. And so, so Shane, you were like the last person in the world I saw, and Peggy, you were the first one. And then Jonathan, mm -hmm. yeah, it was very reassuring with the, uh, the Jordanian doctor and you riding through the night in the ambulance. Um, yeah, I Thank you. remember like every bump it would was so painful for you and jonathan was just like holding you know being right there with you the you know one one of this the, the pieces of this story that i as i you know think back i don't always remember this part but when we got to jordan this is this is so important because it's it's like um both the love and hospitality but also an indictment on our uh healthcare system is when we got to jordan we you know we were all kind of being treated now in in this hospital and they, Cliff had, had had a head injury, and so they're stitching it all up. They're, you know, um, uh, disinfecting it and everything. And so um, there's like four of us being treated, I think. And and I I just said to them, I don't know how we'll pay for this, but we're we're good for it. You know, I'll give you my credit card. And um, and they're like, okay, we'll figure it out. You know, and and I said, just give me a bill. And I'm expecting, you know, from being in the U.S., I'm expecting like possibly tens of thousands of dollars, definitely thousands of dollars of a bill. And they give us this receipt, Jonathan, right? And it's like every single thing is itemized, including the film from the x-rays, um, the hourly wages of every worker. And it ended up being like, like $700 or something like this. And then as they handed us the bill, they said, we want you to know that the staff of the hospital has agreed to pull our money together to uh, help cover your bill if there's part of it that you can't cover. <laughs> and you think like, my gosh, right? This is this is love and hospitality. And then those doctors came to the apartment, to the hotel, to the morning that we were leaving to change Cliff's bandage on his head <laughs> because they said, we were just thinking, you're getting on an airplane. We want you to have a real clean bandage on your head so they came just to do that and I mean you, you kind of think of th th this was our experience you know both like on both sides of the border from Iraq to uh, yeah. Jordan the love the care that we were given yeah I'd like to even take us back to Rupa where when we arrived you know and you were still being patched up anyway and then when you were getting ready to go you know we asked the doctor about pain and the doctor said, Christian, Muslim, Jew, American, Iraqi, whoever you are, we will care for you. And, you know, they, he did not ask for money. Mm -hmm. And here we were in the middle of the bombing 
campaign in the middle of the war, their town had just been bombed, what, a couple of days before we arrived? And, and here we were Americans in our, and well, a couple of Japanese in, in another car, but, you know, and yet they served us in the middle of that. We were not Muslim like them. And it was just an incredible, incredible, powerful moment when these the people that our country was bombing, they were serving us. And, you know, Weldon could have not made it through. Cliff would have died if he had not gotten that treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was just a profound moment where we were on the other side of the gift, uh, you know, being treated and cared for in the middle of the war. And I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, it was so formative for us that Jonathan and Leah, you know, named their community after it. And uh, when, when we had a chance to go back uh, to Rupa, uh, I'll never forget when that mayor said, uh, he said he's only been to one town in the United States. And, uh, and he said that was Durham, North Carolina. And of course, we're all like, <laughs> That's where Rupa House is, right? And he's like, God is moving, right? And, uh, and so, but, but you know, I'll never forget what he said. He said, this is the kind of stuff that heals the wounds of violence. It's love, it's relationship, it's knowing one another. And, you know, right now we look back and we, we see all this, but we also see um, more violence in our world. We see a military a bud- budget that, you know, um, uh, Obama raised Bush's military budget. Trump raised Obama's budget. Uh, now Biden has raised Trump's military budget. Um, so we're looking at a time where you know this this violence is um, is is continuing to escalate, even as we continue to try to build a movement for peace. So I, I want to make sure, Kathy, if you if you have thoughts on you know some of the things that we can be doing right now, and then we'll go to each of you for a closing word, but. Um, you know, it's 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 not over, right? We're still seeing a world that's so wrecked by by violence. And what can we be doing to organize for peace? Mm, well, thanks, Shane. Uh, Ann Jones was so brave uh, and uh, a war correspondent. She named one of her books "War Isn't Over When It's Over." And so, of course, one of the things is for us not to look away from the wreckage and the uh, injustice that we've caused to a country like Iraq and the many, many, many people who had to seek refuge and families have been torn apart. And and then also to see the patterns. It's not easy to look in the mirror and see the patterns of this war making, but they're there very much so. And I think, um, you know, I I don't at all wanna say, well, some wars are okay and other wars aren't. I, I think Christianity calls us to say, you can't square being a Christian with any war. And so I, I'm pleased to see a group, I'm, I'm a board president for a group called World Beyond War. And, and you know to see that image held forth and to see all the many, many ways, you know, if you take the tools of war out of the budget, all of the problem solving you really can engage in. And so to try to overcome that dehumanizing, which is so essential, for continuing war, but I think also I, I'm I'm happy to be working with a team of people 
to create what we're calling the Merchants of Death War Crimes Tribunal. And, and that's one way to hold up the mirror to say, look, you know, we've been supporting our taxpayer dollars and not all of us paying taxes, but um, we've been supporting companies that make enormous sums of money and gain enormous leverage. And I'm thinking of Boeing and Lockheed Martin and Raytheon and General Atomics and constantly devising new and more terrible and more gruesome ways to kill other people. So I think it's a... It's it's an important time to do what we knew we were doing in Baghdad, to catch courage from one another. And you mm-hmm. knew you were doing that on the way to Rukba and beyond to, to help kind of gird ourselves to say, yeah, the gospel says, don't be afraid. And courage is the ability to control our fears, not to be governed by fear. We've got mm-hmm. to really be on the lookout for the propaganda that will say, be afraid of China, be afraid of Russia, be afraid of any other country that might make economic gains or scientific gains, because we have to be number one. I'm speaking about the United States perception, and that's not true. We don't have to be dominant. We have to be people who learn how to love one another. And um, with that love, collaborate to hopefully survive ecological collapse, nuclear weapon proliferation, and ongoing wars. So I'm so pleased to be with this group here today and recognize the legacy of what was entrusted to us while we were together in Iraq. Thank you, Kathy. Well, Weldon and Peggy, I wanna make sure, we're not in any hurry, you know, if you have any, closing thoughts as you reflect back or things, you know, resources, things that you're doing that others might want to know about right now. Um, yeah. Or, uh, well, then we, we can come to you first and then to Peggy and I'll, I'll let Jonathan close us out. Thank you so much to all of you. And it's so, so good to be with you. I have often uh, told people when I'm uh, speaking in many, many places is uh, I, I would go anywhere in the world with Kathy Kelly or Piggy Gibbs. <laughs> that uh, being with both of you has been uh, hugely important to me and, and uh, Shane and Jonathan, you as, as well. Uh, a couple of things I think uh, I, I have spent the past six years on the CPD Iraqi Kurdistan team uh, where the work continues. So we've been in, in Iraq now since uh, October of uh, 2000 when Peggy and Cliff first uh, 2002, when I first went there, and I'm grateful for that and grateful for the team. And what I learned is, is every day of being there is what is the building of relationships, uh, the accompaniment, the solidarity, the being with people who, who are the ones who really suffer from uh, war is hugely important that we have to put our bodies and lives in the way uh, uh, and alongside those who are being harmed. When I speak in every presentation, I conclude with an analysis in the word about war. And there are two, I have two messages. Um, one is that war is a lie. It's always a lie. We lie our way into war. We lie our way through war. And we lie about ending war. It is not over when it presume it's over. And the other and, and uh, the most important ball is war is war on children. Uh, and as a, a, a father and a grandfather, uh, I, I am 
my children and grandchildren do not have a future if other people's children and grandchildren don't have a future. Uh, uh, when Because war impacts everyone. And I want people to know that it's about what's happening to children in the world they're growing up in. And that somehow we have to be part of changing that. So all of you are a huge inspiration to me and very much a part of why I continue to do what I do and hope to do it as long as possible. Thank you all. Blessings. So good to be with you. Peggy, uh, you got, uh, I, I have this wonderful picture that I, uh, in my office of our little encampment, I think it's the one we use for this, uh, the, the, the prayer uh, announcement, but um, so many great memories of being together and I, I've, I just love you so much. And what, you know, you got any closing words for us today or ways that people can follow what you're doing or resources you want people to know about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always want to reiterate, keep finding the truth about each new situation. Like I just, been reading this book by you know that Medea Benjamin and another uh, brother wrote about the war in Ukraine because the media again is not giving us the full information and it's important to be to really see what how the U.S. has through his you know through the years has actually pushed Ukraine you know to join NATO and, and NATO to be on Russia's doorstep and and we've actually aggravated the situation and learn about that so you could speak the truth about this this war that we're involved in and then I would just want to say again um, be willing to step out there knowing that God will be with you you will be given the resources you need you know sure you harm can happen but you will be taken care of if you step out in faith. That's a word I want to give to everybody. And pray for love. Love is a thing that is the power that will sustain you in it. Um, mm. Love is what will draw you to the stories of the people suffering and keep you from turning away from it. It's hard to keep seeing it, but hold on to that power of love that a find community find other people that you support each other you know i i could not have done this without brothers and sisters encouraging and supporting me people at home but people there in iraq where we gather together anytime one person was i don't know falling into fear we would gather around them and help remind help them remember why they were felt called to be there so we're we need to be there for each other, helping us, and 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 we have more strength when we're doing this together. Uh, find these resources of faith if that's not something that is meaningful for you. Find that, uh, find those source resources of faith that will empower you. You know, pray for that. Thanks, Peggy. Oh, thanks to each of you. It's wonderful to be together. And um, I just, I, as I listen, I think about how how y'all and our experience together really helped me to see that the wisdom of 
you know, the folks we met on the streets in Baghdad, the wisdom of the folks that we were with in uh, Rutba is um, is what can what can save us from the mess that we're all caught up in, and um, and that you know to me that's that's real biblical. Uh, you know the psalm that says the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and it's marvelous in our eyes. You know the the, the people who are most directly impacted by the violence and the suffering and the evil of this world are in fact the people who can lead us to something new. And mm. so uh, I, I want to be about building those kind of movements in the world. And I'm grateful for people like you who are doing it every day. Woo. I, I think mm. of, uh, you know, all the hope that we felt there, even amidst the, the most horrific things we've, we've ever seen and experienced. And even Amal, you know, uh, who I later found out, Kathy, your name means hope, right? So our friends wrote a song, uh, you know, called Amal. Uh, but, uh, you know, as she was turning 13, we, we asked her what she wanted for her birthday. And she said, I want peace. I want the violence to stop. But then with a 13 year old smirk, she uh, she said, but if one night when there's no one in my school, if one of the bombs uh, destroyed it so we don't have to go to school, that'd be really great, too. You know, <laughs> and then I think of those kids, you know, everywhere we went, the, the doctor and uh, I think it was the Almanzar Hospital that said, this violence is for a world that has lost its imagination. And we felt, you know, that hope there. We felt that imagination. And so I told Jonathan, um, we could close with this. Uh, you may remember this, Kathy. This is just before we were there, um, a delegation that our friends went on and uh, with you. I think you were there and um, they heard the kids singing in Arabic, We Shall Overcome. And uh, what, Scott, one of our, our friends, Scott Kruger, grabbed a little recorder. Mm -hmm. So it's not a perfect recording, but it's a beautiful recording. So we'll close our prayer time with the kids uh, from Iraq in the middle of the sanctions uh, and the violence singing, We Shall Overcome. <laughs> Nahno Nahno less Naha if in a We shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall Well, thank you all for joining us on this special March 1st prayer. Thank you, Kathy, Weldon, Peggy. Uh, may we continue to catch courage, like you said, Kathy, from one another. Amen. Amen. So good to be with you. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I hope we get to see each other or the live streams mm. off now. Thanks, Dan, for the live stream. That was so special. Thanks, y'all. I'm glad we didn't script it too much. We just wanted it to feel natural. So thanks.